This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Florida week time, heavy underdogs time. You know, kind of what we expected time. Let's see how the game goes time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. The studio just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee will not play Florida this Saturday because that game will be in the swamp in Gainesville. Always uh, a great place where nothing ever, ever goes wrong for Tennessee. Vols always take care of business there. I don't even know why we're going to talk about it. We all know Tennessee always takes care of business. In the swamp. But if you're looking for omens, guys, uh, the sun peeked out from the clouds here on this uh, overcast, rainy Monday. The sun came out of the clouds just as we were recording the intro to this podcast, which, you know, if, if, you, if you believe in omens, like the Ohio State uh, drum major doing a face plant right before the game against Oregon, if you believe in these kinds of things then maybe the the beginning of this podcast means that it'll be a good week for Tennessee. It certainly needs to be. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go across town there to an undisclosed location. Go get the one and the only Patrick Brown because we are discussing Tennessee football in this one, and who else to – who better to bring in than Pat? Pat, what's up, man? Uh, We we live on different sides of town, and there's enough sun poking out over here. That's true. Now, I have a small window. I don't have a luxurious office like you do. I have a – a an office but not i didn't use a whole upstairs room for an office yeah which I is did. odd because i <clears throat> frankly i live in a nicer part of town i should have bigger windows if we're being honest well i mean yeah i live in the uh the more urban area of town uh, up, up and coming <laughs> area we're calling it here in old north knoxville uh the uh i love the old houses here i love being close to downtown speaking of which pat before we get on to football we we had a uh, you know since we got the the, the baby coming here we're we're having to get apparently new of everything, new appliances, because apparently the refrigerator and stuff that we had did not refrigerate food consistently enough uh, for an infant. This is what I've been told. I don't know. I think my wife just wanted some new stuff. But anyways, we got a couple of those new appliances delivered today. One of them was the microwave. And I have thought about going downstairs and getting like a huge bowl of soup and putting it in the microwave and just having it explode all over the new micro- microwave and then not clean it. And then when she comes home to look at it, just be like, I don't know, it came that way. I don't, I don't know. Uh, these are the things that I think about sitting at home by myself during the day because I'm, well, uh, I'm five years old. Well, last summer we got a new fridge and about three months later we moved and we were so excited because we, we made a pretty big 
jump and, and fridge upgrade. Now we didn't get one of the ones that like talks and you can like leave messages and all that fancy stuff. Yeah, those are too expensive to repair. Some people won't even. But we got those. a nice one. I'm not gonna lie. But then we moved and I and I still I still kind of miss it. I'm not even I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie about that. You should have just taken the stuff from your new house and put it in the old house. Well, I. I yeah, I tried. I tried to tell my wife that I wanted to take the fridge, and she was like, we can't do that. Well, this so. one has a place for, for like, uh, like a tiny little place for, like, lemons and limes, like, in the refrigerator. I'm like, okay, that's neat, but I don't know that we're going to. That's quite bougie, Wes. That's what that is. Apparently, yeah. So we're going to have the bougie fridge here. But that didn't get delivered today, just the other ones. But, Pat, this is a big, big week for Tennessee. We We know this, and you wouldn't necessarily know it by Josh Heupel's press conference on Monday because he just went about his business like he normally does. Uh, you know, he, he's very polite, very cordially, uh, says not a lot. Uh, he, he just said, you know, Tennessee's, um, you know, excited for the challenge. They know going on the road is going to be a tough one, especially against the opponent of this caliber. Uh, but there were no injury updates really of note. There was nothing, uh, nothing about Joe Milton, although he's still listed atop the depth chart if you believe in those kinds of things. Uh, but Josh Heupel uh, said he was not going to speak in hypotheticals when asked if, you know, how healthy Joe Milton would need to be to be the starting quarterback or would a healthy Joe Milton be the starter. He said he does not speak in hypotheticals. So um, we have to speak in hypotheticals a little bit because that's people aren't just going to take that and be like, oh, okay, he said that, let's move on. No, that's not how it goes, is it? There's going to be a lot of discussion this week. Yeah, um, I, I think if he's healthy enough to play at a Milton, He's still Tennessee starting quarterback. I, I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough, though. I don't know how close he was last week. It doesn't sound like he was too close last week, but um, High Bull did say that you know they're going to have to sort of make the call by Tuesday or Wednesday because uh, you, you're not going to throw a guy that's not practiced a whole lot down there into that environment, um, right. especially a guy that hasn't played in it will be two weeks <clears throat> and has played you know played one and a half games basically, and then he's out. You know, then he doesn't play for. Um, you know, two weeks of practice. So uh, I, I think if Milton is healthy, he's the guy. I don't know that he will be the guy, though. I think that'll be something Tennessee uh, gauges as we go through the week. Um, and, and there's a lot of other guys that, um, that that missed last week or were held out. I think some of that was probably precautionary. They had some guys that got banged up against Tennessee Tech. Um, and and Heupel's really just, he's not talking about injuries, but We'll just kind of just have to see how how they go, um, and certainly, so I think they will probably get some of these guys back at least. Um, the big ones for me being Jabari Small and Juwan Mitchell. I think those are the two mm-hmm. guys that are probably at the top of the list, plus Cade Mays, obviously. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I would put Cade and Cooper Mays there because I think if, yeah. if you could put Carvin at guard, where he's he plays both, but Carvin's more comfortable and probably a little bit better player at guard. Plus, that gives you a better chance to have your best five out there. Yeah, and, and the thing with Cooper is he, you know, since the staff got here, he's been getting ready to be the center. And the center is a very important piece of, of what they want to do offensively. So um, I, I think there's been a definite drop-off. Now, it's not to say Carvin has been bad. Um, Agreed. Uh, I think he's he's done fine, but he's better as a guard, like you said. So uh, if they could get those three guys, four guys back, two mazes, um, uh, Mitchell and, and Jabari Small, I think that would get – uh, that would be the maybe the best case scenario, regardless of taking you know taking the quarterback situation out, out of the equation. Yeah, and, and before we move on, I'll say this too. I, I need to. I should have said this right off the top. We are going to do a mailbag uh, edition of, of the episode this week. Uh, th- this episode actually, we're going to be in the second segment 
We're, we, we got a we, lot of questions. We got a lot of questions from the board, from Go Boss 24-7's checkerboard, maybe throw in a couple off of social media. We will see. Um, but we always prioritize the checkerboard there, and then we go into the uh, into the social media at the end, you know, a little bit occasionally. But we're going to get to that. I, I just didn't want to – I didn't want to forget to mention that. But to your point on injuries, I, I, I would agree that those are the main ones that need to be healthy. If I'm Tennessee, I still would like some of those defensive linemen back. Uh, those are guys that, and, and again, you know, I, I think we got to give credit. We didn't mention this in the post game and uh, pod, and we probably should have because God knows we talked long enough. But we didn't mention much, or at least I didn't, about Aubrey Solomon, uh, who went out there and it's Tennessee Tech, you know, call it what it is. But he's a guy who went out there and he hadn't been playing much, and he got six tackles in that game. I, I, any any interior defensive lineman who gets six tackles in the game has been productive. That's not a position where you routinely rack up big tackle numbers. So. You know, getting guys like that down the depth chart who go up there and play, that helps. But, you know, you talk about some other guys like Bumpus and those guys, you, you, you'd like to have them back if you could probably. Yeah, and but, you know, the crazy thing about the defensive line is that they had three guys out right They had Didn't have Bumpus for the second straight game. Dejon Terry was out. Bryce Neeson was out. Um, Terry got banged up in the Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got rolled up on, I think. Yes, he did. Um, so and they still played twelve guys, twelve scholarship guys. So they weren't they weren't trotting walk-ons out there at the end of the game. So uh, Aubrey Solomon is a guy that, that Josh Hype talked about on Monday and said that uh, his investment has been much better as of late, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's why he I think he only played about a dozen snaps and he had six tackles. So again, it's an FCS offensive line, and he's a guy that's a former five star that played at Michigan. But um, if if you know you, you Tennessee's had a lot worse defensive line situations than rolling that guy out as your third or fourth you know, as part of your third or 14 tandem on, on the defensive line, a defensive tackle. And they got Byron Young back as well. So, um, and, and he was a guy that I thought rewatching the game. Yes, I did. I, I subjected myself to that misery. You're a professional. Um, you are a true professional. He, he, uh, he made a few tackles, but you know, it was a lot of what they kind of, uh, what we kind of heard. He's very fast off the ball. Um, there was one play where he, he left the left tackle in the dust of course, Tennessee Tech was throwing the ball so quick or running quarterback draws. Yeah. Ed Rusher's getting up the field. It was not sort of a game for them, but he still did a good job, I thought, uh, in run defense, um, locking guys out, getting off blocks, things like that. So um, that that's – yeah, I, I, they could use some of those guys. I, I think Terry is, is a decent player. Um, and I thought Bryce Neeson has a couple decent moments against Pittsburgh when he was in the game. So um, they, they've got a lot of options there. And what I'm interested to see – probably is, is more than who comes back on the side is what they do, you know, what Byron Young does. Does his role expand? Do they get him on the field uh, with Tyler Barron? Because those are probably two of their best pass rushers. Mm-hmm. How much of Roman Harrison's snaps does he eat into? Because I think he's probably a better option for them at this point. But I uh, got to remember that, you know, uh, Young was a guy that we talked up a lot. And, and probably some people probably you're like, well, we didn't even see him do anything in Tennessee Tech game. He, he, he did well. It was his first game in two years, right? It's his first game at this level. So starting point, let's not, you know, nobody's given him an All-American award yet. But, uh, but yeah, so if they, if it, they get those It's guys an All-American on, story. It's an All-American story. He just, you know, needs the ending. Yeah, and, and you know, you're going to want your best defensive lineman available for this game because Florida's run game is pretty good. So Tennessee's going to need all hands on deck there on the defensive line. They're going to need all hands on deck there at linebacker as well. Uh, if you want to throw Mitchell in, in there with, you know, I still think he and Banks are probably their best tandem, especially against the run. Um, and, and this could be a game where, uh, you know, 
the way that Florida is, the way Florida has been running the ball this season, the way they ran it against Alabama, you're going to want your two best run stopping linebackers out there if you can have it. Yeah, I have a lot of concern, you know, watching that Florida Alabama game. And again, we're we're working while we're watching it, so we're kind of doing two things at the same time. Um, especially when you're writing about a game like Tennessee Tech, you know, you're always keeping an eye forward. So we're, you're keeping an eye on the Florida Alabama game. Haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but. Uh, more more closely, but just watching Florida, the bits that I saw during that game, Tennessee's inside linebacker situation does greatly concern me in that game because what Florida does offensively, it's it's really neat. Dan Mullen's always done it this way. They're, they spread you out, and they've got – you've got to be really good up front because they've got a good power run game and they add that quarterback into it, but they also play in space and they've got some athleticism. So they're basically just going to spread you out. They're going to find what they think is your weak link and they're going to hammer it. And and I think if you look at Tennessee's defense, I I just have a lot of concern that those inside linebackers, because they've got the two guys in Mitchell and Banks who I think are really good at sort of run thumping. They can both do that all day long. I think they're very good at that. And then you've got guys like um, like Beasley and, and guys like Page. You know, Beasley was a former safety. You know, Page is a smaller, a little bit, little bit smaller, a little bit quicker. They're they're pretty good and are better options against the pass. But Florida, you kind of need a combination of those two things in one player. Uh, and and I don't know that Tennessee really has that right now. So that that to me, looking at what Florida does offensively. I think they could really do some damage over the middle of the field, especially if Tennessee doesn't win the line of scrimmage battle. So I would want the, those offensive linemen fresh, and I would have to find a combination of inside linebackers that worked because I just I don't love that matchup. I just don't. Yeah, the thing about run defense with those linebackers is it's it's uh, a lot of a lot of times if you give up 250 rushing yards, it's oh, the offensive linemen just dominated, right? Mm-hmm. They just pushed you around, and, and that's there's some truth to that. But a lot of times run defense comes down to everybody being in the right gaps, right? It's about being in the right spots. Uh, and that's where a guy like Mitchell, I think, comes into the play because he's played at this level. He's got a lot more experience than, than uh, even a guy like Banks. So, you know, he, he knows how to play the game. Um, and he's a guy that, again, the way Florida does some stuff up front, I think it's similar to the way Tennessee does where they'll pull alignment, they'll run a tight end across or what have you. Um, they, make you they, they make you have to be disciplined in, in how you play. Yeah. Uh, in terms of your gaps and if you're not in your gap then you get guys hitting seams full speed and they're one-on-one with the safety we see you know that's what Tennessee's run game is sort of designed to do we saw it a little bit with Florida mm-hmm. uh, and they've got some good runners I mean you, you look at their backfield they've got a few different guys they're kind of doing it by committee and, and there's two five-star transfers that aren't even really playing for them mm-hmm. uh, right now so um, and, and if they get Anthony Richardson back I was uh, checking out our Florida site on Monday and and Mullen said that he could have played, but they kind of just held him out to get him healthier. Didn't want him to re-aggravate his hamstring injury. Kind of still up in the air if he'll play. Uh, if I'm Tennessee, I'm hoping he doesn't play because I think that guy is is a game changer in terms of uh, Boy, if he gets in the open field. He is a talent. It's over. He is right. a real talent. So if you're Tennessee and you're and you're looking for ways to win this game, you're you're probably hoping that Emory Jones is the scores quarterback the entire time. And yeah. that's not a slide on Emory Jones, so I think did pretty well against Alabama. Yeah, and before quickly before we go to break here, I. I, I to me, it's like if you watch that Chiefs-Ravens game last night um, and you watch a guy like Lamar Jackson when he's back there at quarterback, and not that there's an athlete like Lamar. I mean, Anthony Richardson's a pretty damn Are good Are you comparing Hendon and Hooker to uh, Lamar Jackson? No, 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 I'm, uh, no, Lamar Jackson? no. no, I'm talking about the other offense. I'm talking about Florida's. 
And um, it, it, but my point here is that it's not just about when you're playing defense against a quarterback like that. It, it, it's not just about the, the the penetration that you get up front because that is important. It is really important. You got to get in the backfield and you got to create havoc. But more important than that defensive penetration is that gap discipline because it, you can get you know if you got two guys that are busting through the line and they are getting their way in the backfield, they're three or four yards back there, but you've got one guy or one linebacker who's not matched his run fit. All you've done is taken two defensive linemen out of the play, and you got a quarterback running behind them. It, it, it is all about gap discipline with Florida. They do a lot of neat stuff offensively. It, it's not like it's, that it's complex, but it's a really, really good offense. I've always, If you love football, you kind of have to love Dan Mullen's offense. They do some really neat stuff. But I, I think – that concerns me is do they have that sort of gap discipline? Can they get every every guy, can they go into the fit they're supposed to be? Because if they're not, these guys are going to hurt you. And, and this is a game where you've just got to be gap. you got to be gap it, sound. And that kind of gets into something that I'm interested in, in seeing how this game plays out. Is a little, you know, every game sort of has sort of a chess match feel to it. And with a guy like Mullen, uh, I mean, he calls the plays, right? Uh, you know, he, he knows kind of where to go, but and how to attack you, but I, I've been sort of impressed watching these past three games, and, and Tennessee was not very – you would think they would be vanilla against Tennessee Tech like they were against Bowling Green. They showed a few wrinkles, and I'm going to take a look at some of them in, in the weekly X's and O's piece I'm going to do probably on Tuesday. That's called a tease in the business. A tease. Um, but there's just tease. some things that we saw, and it goes – you know, kind of highlights what we've seen a lot of different things. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll play four – they'll play a four two five. It makes sense some three two six with a dime package there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're showing different pressures off of that. Sometimes they'll play, you know, they'll, they'll rush four and drop seven in the zone. They, they kind of do a lot of different things. Uh, one thing they did is uh, something that might be useful against running quarterbacks is you have your, your front four, but you drop the two, the two guys on the end who are happy to be your most athletic guys. So um, maybe that's something that, you know, maybe it's a passing downs you might see that they threw in against Tennessee tech. And, you know, so it, it's, when you talk about multiple Tennessee defenses doing a lot of different things, and they're going to need to do a lot of things, right, to, to counter the way that, that Florida play calls and the way that they scheme things up and the way that they, they do things. But um, all that's nice and good to talk about. But at the end of the day, too, this is, you know, as Heupel said on Monday, this is a game you have to do all the ordinary stuff really well. So you got to block, you got to tackle, you got to get off blocks, take care of the ball, don't commit penalties. All those things are going to be important for Tennessee. Throw and catch, obviously, um, will be important. So, and, uh, and, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot of questions about the quarterbacks, passing game, all that stuff in the uh, second segment. Yeah, I'm quite sure that we will uh, because that's going to be a topic that uh, is going to be out there. It's going to be asked. I haven't looked at the question yet, to be honest. I did not do any peeking. I imagine there's some questions about that in there because why wouldn't there be? Uh, but I like that hypo comment about just you don't have to be extraordinary, just do the ordinary things consistently. And that's cost Tennessee quite a bit in this series down there because we sort of call it – I don't know if there's a word for it, that sort of Florida moment – where there's a you know there's a pick six a fumble six there's a you know a, a punt return for a touchdown there's there's just something cataclysmic that happens and completely breaks open the game or changes the game Tennessee has to avoid that moment this week because I don't know that this team really wants to 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 try to come back from something like that but let's go to break Let, let's pay some bills listen to products services in house ads other fun things come back and hear from you. The listeners to this podcast, the, the readers of GoVoss 24-7, the subscribers of GoVoss 24-7, the social media followers, let's hear what you have to say, and let's uh, let's try to talk about that. Back in a second. Hashtag ad. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. Talking Tennessee football. Uh, there will be some basketball to discuss later in the week because five-star guard Kaysen Wallace was in town and Rick Barnes is trying to add him to his latest uh, his latest piece off that five-star assembly line that they've been developing there. Quite the, quite the recruiting job they've done there. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the week. But this is Tennessee-Florida football week, so we got plenty to discuss there. We're going to get to your questions here in this segment. Pat and I are going to go over those, and we're going to give you the best answers that we can with the time that we have. Before that, though, guys, if you can take about a minute and 90 seconds out of your day right now while you're listening to this podcast you can go in there and do that if you can multitask you can go in there hit that subscribe button whether if you're just listening on the website guys there's nothing wrong with that we love you there's fun like ron swanson with alcohol no wrong way to consume this podcast but what really helps us is if you go in there and you listen on apple podcast you go in there spotify Google Podcast, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very same Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hit that subscribe button, rate, and review this podcast. That's super important uh, because we do this for free and we're happy to do it, but that's the only thing we're asking for is if you go in there, rate, and review, and subscribe because that helps other wolves find their way to this wolf pack and we can keep growing this thing as we've done since we started it years ago it's been a fun ride and we thank you all for being a part of it and helping us do this we really uh, it's it's not a platitude to say that we could not do this without y'all so please keep helping us we appreciate it thanks for the love we'll keep moving forward pat let's get to these questions uh we we got uh a lot of them we'll get to them as many of them as we can uh, but we'll start here from the GoVoss 24-7 checkerboard as usual. We're going to start with a question from Simpson Vol. Which current Vol football player has most exceeded your expectations? Uh, probably Theo Jackson, for being honest. Um, I mean, I was looking at the numbers. Hey, he's got like 25 tackles, six tackles for loss, four pass breakups. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many he came into the season with in those categories, but uh, outside of tackles, probably not a lot. So he's making a lot of plays. He's playing really fast. Uh, I, I didn't 
I thought last season he was a safety playing out of position. I think now he's he's made that position that nickel spot sort of his own, um, and I think he's a guy that has a lot of that has a lot of the trust of Felipe Martinez and the staff, and he's uh, he's played well so far. Uh, he's taken a bad angle here or there, missed a tackle maybe in, in some moments, but uh, I would say that, that I did not expect him to, to be as good as he's been through three games. Yeah, Theo Jackson would be the easy answer and the correct answer, but just to throw a second one in there for the for the sake of variety, I'll throw in Jacob Warren, uh, the, the junior tight end from uh, Farragut High School, uh, a young man who is still not what I would call the most accomplished blocker, uh, pass protector, run blocker in the universe, but, but you know, he, he, he's one of those sort of flex-sized tight ends. He's added some size and strength throughout the years, but what he can do is he can run routes, he can catch the ball, and he can make plays. Uh, and that's something that this Tennessee offense has taken advantage of. I would put him on that list. Obviously, the, to me, Theo Jackson's the, the clear runaway winner, but I'll throw Jacob Warren some love in there as well. I think he's been uh, really, really good so far this season. And in terms of catching the ball and those things, he still needs to, to pass protect better. Yeah, I think he's probably been better than, than Princeton Fant. And uh, I, I had this in on the side on Monday, but – Warren caught six passes for 73 yards in 10 games last season. He already has nine catches for 69 yards and touchdowns in the last two games this season. So uh, he's he's obviously enjoying life in this new offense. Yeah, there's a lot to like about that. Let's go on to the next question, Coaching Wiz. He said, guys, my question is on the injuries. It's seen that Tennessee made it out of training camp relatively healthy other than uh, K. Ron Calbert and, and those recovering from past injuries and maybe just a couple hamstrings here and there. Injuries are piling up now. Bad luck? Oh, bad luck question mark not really that many just held a lot because it was tennessee tech question mark or do you guys have concern about the strength and conditioning program with these issues is it a combination uh, thank you i knew this was coming because when, when when pat when we saw this many guys get hurt this early in the season fairly or unfairly uh, people are going to look at the strength and conditioning program that's just what they're going to do right because when you have that many injuries it's it it's what happens but then look at the ravens right they got 15 guys on ir right now it's not like they're well, not doing a good job. Well, to, to blame the strength and conditioning situation at this point would be wrong. It's been three games. Kurt Schmidt's been here for about five minutes. Um, you know, they, they had a full off season to you know build up towards the season, but I mean, you, you you can't just make a sweeping generalization about the injury situation. Now, I do think they held some guys out. I do think some guys, if they were playing Virginia Tech as opposed to Tennessee Tech last week, I think they would have uh, probably had some of these guys that that they held out, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at Cooper Mays gets his gets his ankle rolled. Yeah, uh, Jabari Small hurts his shoulder getting tackled to the ground. Um, who else hurt? You know, uh, Jalen Kate, High is trying to make a play and hits his head on the on the ground. Yeah, Cade Mays making the tackle on the interception <clears throat> on the fumble return, uh, and then he's out for a while. Um, and, and some of these other guys we don't know because some of it. Let's be honest. Uh, some of it has been COVID, and some more of it could be COVID than we know, right? I mean, there could be guys who, um, you know, there were a couple yeah, I mean, of there were a couple of absences last week that were a little bit surprising to me, and and you wonder if that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, if it was a lot of the same injury, I could see that, but I mean, you just kind of go case by case and say, oh, this one happened in a game, this one happened in a game. It's, it's kind of uh, it's football, it's a collision sport, it's violent. It puts strain on the body when you're working every day during the year. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to have a knee that needs cleaned up or, you know, some, you know, some soreness, some, you know, this, that, and the other. So, uh, I, I think it's way, way too early to even suggest that this is some sort of shortcoming in the strength and conditioning department. Um, 
it's just, it's just, I think it's just a product of football and stuff happens. Yeah. I, Obviously. Cause, because when you get into games, you're tackling, you're going full speed, guys are going to the ground. Some of these things that have happened aren't happening in practice because you're not playing the same way in practice that you do in games. Yeah. I, I'm going to wait and see how many of these guys are not available in the swamp because that, that way, because obviously Tennessee's going to be throwing everybody it can out there in that game, uh, and that's a game where you're not going to risk anybody's long-term. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying Tennessee Tech, it, it's logical that you would give guys a breather there if there's any question about whether they should play. Against Florida, you're making some tougher decisions there, so I'll, I'll wait and see then. I, I don't know nearly enough at all to, to put any blame on anyone like Kurt Schmidt. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I sort of – for the most part, totally agree with Pat here. I, I think you look at the injuries and you look at how they've happened. Um, you know, I think that's just football and those things just happen. The disclaimer we should put out is neither of us are learned doctors. So. That's correct. Yes, I, I am not at all. And I don't, in fact, I suck at pretty much all things science. So if you have a science question, uh, don't go to me. You will get probably the wrong answer. Here's a really, really good question, though, uh, from from uh, one of my favorite names on the board, Chicken Nuggets. Uh, he, here he is. Uh, no, he's got two questions. Here's the first one. Who is this team's number one wide, wide receiver? If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said Velas, but with his lack of PT now, I'm not sure. Um, who is, I think it still should be Velas. I mean, should we, be, saw what yes. he did with his, we saw what he did with his with ball in his hands, so he since he tacked. Um, I think that's who I'd be getting the ball to more. Uh, if the quarterbacks had any sort of accuracy, it would be Cedric Tillman because he would have about five touchdowns. Yes, yes, and average about thirty-seven yards a catch. So, uh, I, to, I kind of feel sorry for the guy just because I mean, uh, it's not his fault he doesn't have a crazy kind of gaudy stat line for three games. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it sucks I, for wide receivers because you put in that much work running 50 yards downfield, running a perfect route, getting wide open, and then the ball just isn't there. That's got to suck. Right. I, it depends on what you're, what's best. You know what I mean? I, I think there's some guys that are speed guys that can take the top off the defense. I think Jalen Hyatt and, and Javante Payton are those guys. Um, I think Tillman's a guy that can do that as well, and he's a big body. Um you know, I like Jimmy Callaway when he gets the ball in his hands. I like Walker Merrill. I thought he did some good things against mm-hmm. Tennessee Tech. Um, you know, did some good things after the catch, getting open, working out of the slot. So um, there's a little bit to like about all of them. Collectively, I think they, as a group, they need to play better. But I think, I, I, speaking for myself, I, I thought I'd try to warn everyone that it could be a little bumpy at first just because a lot of these guys haven't played. Then you take Bayless and he had his hamstring injury. Uh, I'll still stick with Bayless Jones because I think that he's the guy that can do a little bit of everything. That's why I it's interesting to me that they're trying to get him worked in the slot more, even though they've got a, uh, some guys there that have been productive and some guys there that have some talent, uh, just some young guys. So it makes me wonder if, if they think that their best three are Peyton Tillman and Bayless, and they're trying to get them all on the field for the majority of, uh, of the game. That's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah. The, the, there are four or five wide receivers on this team who I think need to be targeted a fair amount in every game. I think Tillman's got to get targets, for sure, Valus Jones has got to get targets. For sure, I, I might give him more than anybody else, but but he's got to get targets. Jalen Hyatt has to get targets in every game, in my opinion, a good number of them. And I'm still putting Jimmy Callaway in this category. I think he needs to get forced touches more in games. Th- those would probably be the four guys who I would say it is a disappointment if you don't get them 
a fair amount of targets in a game. Uh, I also like Peyton. I think he's a good player. I think Merrill does some good things. I think they've got some guys uh, who can make some plays, and I would include Fant and Warren in there too as pass catchers. I think they're capable guys. But those four guys I mentioned off the top are, are the guys to me who need to get touches every single game because they are guys who can make a big difference, and I think they can get open. They can make plays. Uh, they've either got the size or the speed to, to go do some damage. I agree, Valus Jones Jr., I, I, he's got to get more targets. I, it's like they forget he exists sometimes. But you can go back, and to save time, you can go back to the previous podcast we had from the game uh, on Saturday, and you can hear us talk about that, how we're both mystified a little bit at times that Valus Jones doesn't get more touches because he looks good when he has them. Here's a second question from Chicken Nuggets. They said, Hendon Hooker has been solid through 1.5 games. Y'all have said in the past that Hooker is what he is at this point. If Hooker is the starter against Florida and he is what he is, is he good enough to give Tennessee a chance to win in the swamp? Um, yeah, but I think he needs he needs more help around him, right? Um, there, there's a lot of little things that go into uh, maybe why Tennessee's offense it's still putting up points and yards, but it's not. I don't. I wouldn't say it's even gotten out of second gear yet. Um, it's easy for people to see the the missed overthrows. It's, it's a little bit more complicated when they see when you look and, and Jalen Wright doesn't pick up a guy on a twist and, and you have a potential downfield shot touchdown to Jalen Hyatt, but Hooker gets hit as he throws. It's underthrown. You know, you get a PI out of it. But um, I, I think they, you know, he throws a great ball to Peyton. He drops it. You know, I, I think he is good enough because I think he does. Uh, I think he can do enough things with his legs to give you a shot. That's sort of an equalizer, right? Mm -hmm. You look at his touchdown run that was overturned against Tennessee tech. That play had shouldn't have worked at all because he made the wrong read. The receivers weren't really running routes and he wanted to throw it. So he just tucked it and ran it. He made a great spin move. Um, the, The concern I have with him is that if Tennessee's down in the fourth quarter and they need to go drive the field and, and, and he has to go win the game with his arm. That's where I get concerned. And I get concerned about his penchant for turnovers, which, which we've seen. I, I haven't gone and looked up all the numbers at Virginia Tech. He didn't throw a ton of interceptions there. Um, I think he only has, what, one? Um, yes. In, in this game, I think he might need to be more judicious with, um, you know, if he needs, if he can get out of bounds on some runs, get out of bounds, if he can just get down and don't take hits like he did uh, where he fumbled against Tennessee Tech, I think those are plays that he could – uh, they, those are places you can't make in, in games like this. So um, I would say yes, but uh, there are some things that obviously give me pause. Yeah, Florida has a lot of guys defensively who are very capable of separating you from the football you're carrying. It, it, so, and they're going to need somebody to be able to run around because Florida's defensive line is going to be in the backfield wrecking stuff, and you're going to need a guy who occasionally can escape and turn nothing yeah. or turn disaster into not disaster or something. Yeah, I, I really don't like Tennessee's offensive line matchup against that Florida front seven. I just – when I look at it, I you know, I, I like Tennessee's offense a lot, uh, the, the way they design it. I think they're going to get some guys in space and do some things. But you're talking about consistently being a threat with the run to open things up. I think that that could be an issue in this game, which is why a guy like Hooker, you're going to need him. I think there's a lot of things he can do. Uh, next question from Loud Noises. He he threw a lot of them in here, so a couple of them are just fun. So, Shame. so, so a couple of them we don't have to really answer, but I think I, I want to mention them because they make me laugh. His first question, if you could trade any one of your coworkers away for a member of another competitor company, who would it be and why would you choose Ryan? Uh, I, that's why did you choose Ryan? 
Oh, I said, why did you choose Ryan? Um, it's, a, it's a good, good correction there, Pat. I probably would trade it for, trade for someone who could, uh, who could do what Pat just did and help me read English correctly. Um, but no, that's a good question, and it made me laugh, and I just wanted to acknowledge it. Next, next question with Walter Nolan's recent praise from Florida. What's the over under on the new top threes that uh, we should expect from him? We don't have Ryan on this podcast, speak of the devil. I don't know what, what the hell's going on with this kid. I'll be honest. It's, <laughs> it's something different every day, every week. And, and from what I understand, there are people close to him who are also like, yeah, it just kind of changes. Uh, you don't really know. So uh, I think he likes the attention. I think he likes uh, all the uh, all the, the praise that comes from being the number one player in the country. And I think he's going to enjoy the hell out of his process, and I don't know. And, and he should. And if I was advising people, I would say that it's what mid-September, I would say just sit back and just watch it play out because there's going to be – that seems like one of those that's going to have twists and turns, and you just never know. Uh, next question uh, he has, uh, if things don't work out with Josh Heupel, should Tennessee try a reverse Ted Lasso and hire a professional soccer coach from Europe? We seem to be running out of options here. I, Arsenal's coach will be available here soon. So he probably will be, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. He, and he would come in here and talk about the uh, non-negotiables, right? Uh, he loves talking about non-negotiables. Well, my non-negotiable is that you win more freaking games, Mikel Arteta. Um, but here, here is my thought on this. Uh, I don't want to think about it uh, right now. Uh, we just got through another coaching search. These things are great for business. They're terrible for us in every other way. They're just not fun. Uh, I used to enjoy the thrill of the chase. Now I'm like, no, let's just let's have a football coach stay here. Let's let's well, let's do normal stories. This fan base has become uh, they, they live for the for the coaching changes, for the searches, for the plane tracking, for the rumors. They love the, the drama. Rumors. They they do love the drama, man. A good chunk of them. I can't love say I blame drama. them though. I mean, from from their standpoint, it's probably it's been a lot more entertaining than what they've seen on the field, unfortunately. Yeah, um, to be honest, I don't really want to think about it, but every time the job comes open, I say this and I, I say it again. Do not do not care about your pride. Swallow your pride. Pay whatever you have to pay for someone who gives you the best chance to win. And if they say no, just keep being like, what number do I have to write on this check to get your attention? And then just keep writing until you get closer to that number and make that kind of hire if you can make it because – that's that's the closest way you can get to guaranteeing wins is to do something like that. So that's that's what I would do. Next question. Uh, if Kentucky basketball lands a historic recruiting class as they are poised to do, what will be the sting factor for them when Tennessee goes two and one against them this season? Great question. Great question. Great question. Uh, that will be fun because Rick Barnes has been recruiting at an elite level too. So, um, yeah, that would be uh, – it's interesting uh, because those two guys are – just it's hilarious to me that they're like best friends because they just don't seem to have a lot in common other than the fact that they love basketball. But you know, Hey, uh, that's a fun to rivalry. To answer the question, Kentucky fans will be mad to lose to Tennessee yes. basketball. They will not like it. Next question equally as good. What will be the sting factor for <laughs> Tennessee basketball when that only loss against Kentucky will be in the SEC championship game again? Not as bad as Kentucky losing to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean Tennessee. Tennessee basketball fans, even with all the success that they've had recently, have come to expect uh, disaster in the SEC tournament. I mean, they're not won it since nineteen what seventy nine or something. Yeah, like I, that. Think, I think they won like or was the, it ninety something. I think they won like uh, the first one and then not again or something. I thought they were, maybe they won one in the nineties. Maybe I'm I, I I I'm not the basketball guy, so I'm I'm butchering it. But it's it's uh, it's, been, had, it's been a while. Had, they've had teams that have been capable of winning. 
it, but then they haven't won it. So at some point you're just like, oh, we don't know how this is going to go, right? They have that big win against Kentucky a few years ago, and then they turn around and Auburn just smacks them around. I mean, yeah, that game was over moments after they tipped the ball. I remember being like, well, this is over. You know, this is, it's not like the NBA where you'd be like, oh, you can come back from that like 20 point deficit. It was like, nope, this thing is over uh, because Tennessee just doesn't win that tournament. And thankfully, right now, think, think about this, Tennessee fans, before we move on. Tennessee basketball right now is a program that does not need the conference tournament to usually to get into the to the NCAA tournament. Most of the time, it won't need that. So that's something you can take comfort in. Uh, here's a here's his I think his most serious question, which is a pretty good one. Uh, he said, "Guys, uh, on the last podcast, y'all called Hooker a more willing runner uh, than Milton. Please discuss Milton's upside as a runner. I'm assuming he'll never be as elusive as Hooker, but do you guys see things within his control that could improve that aspect of his game? This is directed at you, so I'm going to let you." Well, I wanted to make it more democratic. And I wasn't on – I was not on the last podcast. No, I'll, it's very clear when you watch them on film that Hendon Hooker is a much more willing runner. Joe Milton, it's not that he's opposed to running, but given the choice, uh, unless it's maybe like a third and five and he sees the sticks, if he has a chance to stick in there and throw it, uh, whether it's in the pocket or the flat or he can run, he will almost always choose to throw the ball, even when I think running the ball is the better option. Uh, and I think a lot of quarterbacks do some of these things because they are convinced that people will see them as just a running quarterback if, if they do that. And and I think that's foolish because you're seeing in the NFL now what some of these guys can do, even at that level, by running the ball. Milton is not as great a runner as Hendon Hooker is because Hendon Hooker is a borderline – he's a really good borderline elite running quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in elite category, but i put him – right there on the verge of it. He's really, really good as a runner at quarterback. He's not quite Dobbs, but he's really, really good. Uh, Milton is a very much an above-average runner, and he's not the most sudden athlete in terms of, like, the quick twitch stuff, but once he gets going, he is a freight train at 250 pounds, and he is a guy who absolutely is capable of being a more willing runner. Uh, now, coming back from the knee injury, will, if he if we see him again soon, will that – you know, will he be more hesitant? Probably. That's just how things go naturally. But I think to answer your question, if he wants to run more, he absolutely can run more. That's that's what I would say. And you're just going to pass on that one, Pat? Yep. We need to get going. <laughs> All right. Uh, question, a lot of questions left. Question from TARDIS298. Uh, he said, how much of an impact does Cooper Mays being out have with the run game not looking very good the past two games? Does any of it have to do with Milton also being out, as in does he make better decisions or put the team in better positions to run, or mainly is it the offensive line composition? Because the O-line did look good running in the first game, if we're being honest. Yeah, um, I, kind of yes, but not necessarily like directly. Uh, I think what, what Cooper does best is the tempo. Um, and the tempo is, is sort of indirectly what gets Tennessee's uh, run game kind of going, right? Because they get going fast. They wear teams down. They don't let you sub. Um, they get little chunks at a time. Um, so I think that's part of it. And, and certainly that was a big adjustment that Carbon had to make when he first got in the game. That's something that he's talked about. Um, so I think that Cooper being back would be better there. And, and also the best Tennessee's run game has looked is, is when Mays was in the game. So I think that um, he, I think he's a good player. I think for what they do up front, the zone scheme they do, um, obviously, I don't know, you know, so many reps those guys have taken together, right? So those two guys know how to operate, you know, 
uh, Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans on his other side know how to operate when they're um, they they start off with a tandem and then one guy pulls off to the linebacker at the second level. That's those are things that that they got used to over the course of the season. And of course they you know they work contingency plans. That's what coaches do. That's you know that's uh, a lot of what it is. But you know if you're working next to one guy for so long and then he's not there, it, it does affect the chemistry. I do think. And then they've had you know they sort of had a rotating um situation there at left guard with with I lane coming in against bowling green and then it was kingston harris and then it was a lane again um so if they can get back to their their top five i think that that should pay um that should make an impact on the run game i think they need jabari small back too because um jalen wright hasn't been bad he doesn't he, he, he doesn't he doesn't push the pile at all I he think. well he's just a freshman so he he's kind of you, you see some freshman things from him whether it's mistakes in pass protection or uh you know getting tackled by one guy in the hole i, I don't think that, that you know if they had jabari small running some of these plays i think the room game would look a little better and, and hypo talked um after the, the the game on saturday and on monday too about how the running backs left some yards out there uh and going back and watching it there's some holes that they didn't see there's some moments where they're one-on-one and they can't make a guy miss. Um, you know, sometimes as a running back, you're not going to get, you know, it's not going to be free and easy. You're going to make somebody miss from time to time. You're going to have to run through a tackle or at least um, kind of do what they call plus two, which is kind of falling forward or falling forward. If you're Jeremy Pruitt. Forward, so forward. Um, does, does the quarterback have anything to do with it? I, I think both Milton and hooker are, are good enough runners to where as a defense, you're accounting for both of them, especially in the red zone. Right um yeah. so i don't know that milton being out is that big of a deal um but there is uh and, and i do think what the question is also pointing to is decisions on on when maybe to uh to run the ball and, and i do think there was a case actually it was a play i mentioned earlier that hooker scored on and they overturned it he should have he should have given that one i think if i if i'm remembering it correctly um because they had the numbers advantage in the box so that that's i think that's what they're talking about I do think Milton operates the offense a little bit better mm-hmm. from that standpoint, but I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's big enough to make as big a difference as maybe some of these other things. Mainly Cooper Mays not being in there and Jabari Small also not playing the last game and half. Yeah, I'll I'll use the fewest amount of words possible I can to answer this. I don't think it's an easy fix for Tennessee with the running game, and what I mean is I don't see one problem consistently emerging i see different i see different problems and i think you cannot disagree you cannot discount or forget about the tight ends in this they are a very 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 big part getting some of those kick out blocks for the for those running plays that outside stuff and and they they have got to do a much better job i see the offensive line losing some one-on-one battles that i don't think it should be losing i i see running backs picking the wrong holes i see just you know quarterbacks maybe pulling it when they shouldn't or or you know handing it off when they shouldn't there's a lot a lot of little things that they are not operating consistently right now and it's frustrating as a coach because that's the worst kind of problem because you can't plug in one guy and fix it uh you've just got to do what you've got everybody's got to play a little bit better that's that's what i see uh next question here from uh rafael uh do you think jacob warren sets any tight end records this season that's a good question i would need to look at the numbers that uh, michael i think michael rivera had bigger numbers than witten uh, in terms of season stuff i could be wrong so i think they'll he had he had a couple pretty good seasons i i, I think warren maybe could set the touchdown record for for a single season i don't know about yards or catches we'll see uh, keep talking while I look up Michael Rivera's numbers. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just I think that he. Never mind, is, I got him already. He caught uh, thirty six passes for five sixty two and five touchdowns in twenty twelve. He can set the touchdown record pretty pretty comfortably. I think that's a pretty good bet at this point. Um, but in terms of the number of yards, I don't know. He's going to have to have a couple more of those kind of vertical plays like he had against Texas A&M last year. He's going to need to get a couple more of those. Uh, it'd be also interesting to see if he starts getting a little bit more attention uh, in the passing game because I think that's also possible. Teams could start Jason, seeing him. Jason Witten's best season was 39 catches, 493, and five touchdowns in 2002. Yeah. I mean, Warren Warren could have a chance. I don't think he can get but the yards one this year, but he can get the, I'm not sh- he can get the touchdowns. He might have had bigger numbers in 2001. What I'm looking at says Witten had 28, 293, and two touchdowns, but I don't think that counts the Michigan game where he had roughly 800 yards. Yeah, they still haven't tackled him. They still haven't tackled him. Uh, Next question from Bleed Orange, 1899. I know it's early, but how would you game plan for Florida if you are hypo? The the easiest answer I can get for this is – I would throw a lot of stuff against the wall to see what stu- stuck. I, I would, I would, I would throw a lot of motions in there. I would open things up. I would take shots downfield. Uh, I, I would take some risks because you are not going to win this game without taking some risks. I do a lot of what you did against Pittsburgh. Uh, that takes shots down the field because you're going to get those looks. If you throw ten deep balls and you hit only three of them, that's still three huge plays. And if mm-hmm. two of them are touchdowns, that, that's a game changer. I'd also I'd work the tight ends. Um, I continue. I, I like the game plan. They how they use those guys against Pittsburgh, um, and I would do some misdirection stuff because Florida's defenses. You know they're going to be aggressive. You know they're going to be playing downhill. So if you can, you know, fake a bubble screen and, and slip somebody in behind, uh, things like that. Um, we saw the, the play that uh, that Milton missed to, to Cedric Tillman, which would have been a walk-in touchdown. Stuff like that's what I'm talking about. Um, and something I do like about this staff is that if they run a play and it works. They'll go back to it. Saw that three or four times against Pittsburgh um, where they had guys open or had sort of kind of, I don't want to say gimmick plays, but schemed up plays uh, where they it, it hit early in the game and was successful and they went back to it. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I do think your uh, your assessment of throwing out the wall and, and see what sticks helps. Um, I, I do think they'll probably do. There probably will be some wrinkles, but man, I, if you're going to get some single coverage looks, so I, you you got to be taking some shots down the field and hope you finally hit on some. Yeah, what I'll say quickly is what what does concern me is that there were a few plays in that Florida Alabama game where Bryce Young made throws that absolutely could not have been better. A couple of them on the run too, where he just threw absolute pills right where they needed to be, and Florida defensive backs still had pretty good coverage and were able to knock the ball away. Um, that that does that's that that can be disconcerting because you look at how well some of those Alabama passing plays were executed and they still didn't connect. And, and Young had decent numbers. I think he was twenty two of thirty five for two forty three touchdowns, no picks. He he did some good things. The numbers are fine, but uh, you know a couple of those plays that were incompletions. Go back and look at them. Young did was just perfect, and it still didn't quite work. So, um, but I still think Jalen Hyatt can get by some of those guys. Cause I think he can get by anybody. I think he's just about one of the fastest guys in the country. So I would definitely take some shots, but that's, that's just me. Uh, next question. Uh, let's see here. We'll go to Blake digits who I think maybe only had one question here. That's surprising. He goes, when SEC play starts, are we going to see more of Tyler Barron and uh, young on the field at the same time rather than one or the other? 
and then three 300-pound linemen. Feels like we never have enough speed when it comes to rushing the passer. Great question, and I really want to see Young and Barron on the field at the same time, even though they're both Leos. Find a way to make it work. Yeah, we uh, we saw it a little bit against Tennessee Tech. I would do it. I mean, they have a, like I said, they've kind of broken out a, a different dime package the past couple games where they have three defensive linemen, two linebackers. They bring Danico Slaughter on, on the field, and uh, they kind of line Theo Jackson up as he's basically a linebacker. Um, they got a sack off of it against uh, with, with Jeremy Banks that knocked Pitt out of field goal range. They had, uh, I think they they blitzed again and got an incompletion against Tennessee Tech, and then they brought a, they brought Slaughter on uh, from the slot and lost contain, and they they gave up a completion on the third down uh, for that one against Tennessee Tech. But uh, in that situation against Tennessee Tech, it was Butler, Barron, and, and Caleb Trimbley, who is a pretty. I, I think he's a good guy off the edge. Uh, but man, I'd be really tempted to put Baron and Young as your two edge guys there with, with Butler in the middle um, in, in that particular package. Um, and I think there's some other situations uh, where you can maybe get those guys on the field at the same time. And you're you're going to need your most athletic guys uh, in this game if you're going to uh, try to be tackling Emory Jones and, and Anthony Richardson for sure. Yeah, I think both of them are big and physical and strong enough to hold up reasonably well against the run. If they were both just like, nothing but pure rush guys, I would have more concern. I think they both have enough size and strength to, to, to handle themselves pretty well against the run. So that, that would be one concern I would throw out the window. I just don't have that concern right now, but it, it could be, could, could be just me. Uh, question J bolt 10. I said, William Mohan, why are they not looking at moving him to safety? He could lose some of that speed and he could, that he bulked up to play linebacker in the sec. I think he could be an impact guy right now at strong safety. I don't think they need to move him. I mean, I think his first future looks pretty good at linebacker. Yeah, I agree. Based on the other day. And I, I think if he was fast enough to play safety, like consistently, I think they would move him there. Um, but I think when in doubt, I mean, you, you heard this going back to, you know, this was like the John Chavis era. You heard Pat Narduzzi from, from Pitt mention this all the time. Some of the, some of the guys who have been really good college defensive minds say, when in doubt, give me the faster guy at the position. Give me the faster guy. Um, so why would you take someone whose who's speed is such an asset at linebacker and move him to safety where he would just be another guy? Uh, I understand the question because Tennessee needs to play better at the safety position uh, than it has been, given that those vets have played a lot of ball now. You would expect more from them, more of an impact. But I, I don't think you move Mohan. I think you, I think you find a way to, to get him on the field and some special package stuff at linebacker. I mean, I think he's, he's too big to be a safety. You can't have 215-pound safeties this day anymore. I mean, maybe some freaks out there could probably do it, right? Yeah, I mean, there are some um, freaks who can do at, it. I don't know if the kid at Notre Dame, what his measurables are. Um, the kid at Penn State, but, I mean, the kid at Penn State, who I think is just phenomenal, their free safety, he's just a stud. Uh, I mean, it, it, inevitably, when you ask, we, we, if you wanted a guy like that moved, he would get moved to safety, and then you'd be wondering why he's – why are they playing the slow guy at safety? <laughs> if he's – yeah. If he's covering wide receivers, he's going to look slower, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the trade-off here. I mean, even their safeties they have now, you know, McCullough's two hundred five, McDonald's two hundred. Um, I think they have Jackson listed two hundred three. He's not he's not two hundred three. Um, so I mean, no, that's fair. That's fair. I wouldn't move him. No, I wouldn't either. A uh, question from Volgal76. Actually, it's not a question. She says, this is not a question, just a statement. Uh, F word, the Gators. So 
You're, you're with a Daryl Taylor gift. Shout out Daryl Taylor getting a sack in his NFL debut last yeah, week. Yeah, there you go. Look nice to see him. Interesting to see him wearing that 52. Also, shout out to Juwan Jennings for his uh, touchdown catch over the weekend. That was good to see. Uh, next question, go Big Orange 18. Most pleasantly surprising position group and most disappointing through three games. I'll give you uh, best pleasant surprise D-line, most disappointing, most disappointing O-line. That's me. Um. I would probably say defensive line is probably a pleasant surprise. I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd be 20, 30-some tackles for loss through three games or whatever. Uh, most disappointing, I might go with a tie. This is a hot take between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. I thought this past game would be a little bit better. See, I think the wide receivers, I mean, they've had a couple balls hit their hands and hit the ground, but I think they've, they've gotten open quite a bit. Maybe I'm maybe I've got too maybe I've been too much on uh, hype and, and this offense being clicking and humming right away, which may not have been. There's just so many new pieces, right? You got two new transfer quarterbacks, you got a transfer wide receiver, you got sophomores and freshmen, and and you know even even a guy that's played a lot and Cedric Tillman has eight catches in his career. So there's maybe I, maybe I jumped the gun on that. Maybe that's more of a it's disappointing because I put. They're too high on the best. And by saying that, you're saying you thought the O line would struggle this much, basically. Which uh, is which is fine because some people did think that. Yeah, I yeah. thought it would be a little bit better than it's been. Um, but that's just me. I, I think the offensive line is in the conversation. I don't I don't disagree with you saying that. So, uh, and I I thought Milton would be better. I, I guess I, I guess I got caught up in. But then again, he's only played in a game and a half. Um, so maybe we shouldn't be uh, getting the shovels out, digging the hole just yet. That's fair. Not even six full quarters. That is very, very fair. Uh, maybe not even five, probably right about five quarters because he came out early against Bowling Green uh, and then also uh, missed some time in the second quarter against um, against Pitt. So, yeah. Uh, next, last question that we've that I see in here from one. the board. Yeah, this is uh, for another question from Raphael. Uh, which current players do you think, hope, expect to return and be super seniors next season it would be really guys, nice to get another year with guys like Jerome Carvin. Uh, well, Cade Mays would be the top of the list, right? But I don't think yeah, that, think ain't, I, I, thinks I, that I, would be – I don't expect that to happen. Yeah, Carvin would be a good one. Uh, maybe a guy like Princeton Fant, maybe. I don't know if they have come in at tight end. Um, Juwan Mitchell would be one, but I, I think he is. I think he thinks he's one and one, one and done. Probably Lante Taylor would be in the conversation. Yeah, Alante will have a decision to make, but I, I would think he would be a guy who would consider it. Um, um I think Javante Payton is I'm looking at the depth chart and they've got super seniors to I, notice. I'm looking for seniors that don't have the asterisk. I I'd still, he's one. I'd still like to see Trayvon Flowers come back for another season. I, I still think there's a good football player in there and I want to see it. Uh let's see who else. That might be it. Uh, what There's about a few of them. What about uh, Paxton Brooks is another guy? Well, you just stole my thunder because I was going to say Paxton because punters are people too. Yeah, um, I would say that. You know, you can throw Hendon Hooker in there for darn sure. Um, you know, uh, I think Solon Page, you'd like to have him back if you could as an option. Um, K. Ron Calvert. He's your guy, isn't he? Did we mention K. Ron Calvert? We did not. He'd be a guy that. 
I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to go do something else after all the injuries he had to play, he's had to go through. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, you've worked so hard and you never really got the chance yeah. to play. And you're a good talent because he's a guy right. who we've said for years, if Karon Calvert had the chance to play, he's a good player. He just never gets a chance to consistently play. So, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think there's any of those guys that you would say no to. Well, and that's the that's the overwhelming question is, I mean, at, at Tennessee's number situation the way it is, you, you want all these guys back for as long as you can have them, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking here before we step out of here. You could you could potentially have a lot of them come back and still be able to be 85. There's another one which is interesting, and this is the only one that I'll um, – there, there's one, there's two from social media that I'll mention before, quickly before we step out. Purple Vol on Twitter said over under on six years before Tennessee has another ten win season. It's a really good question. Um, and like it's, I have enough. no idea. Um, I mean, you get six years based on the last ten. Based on the last ten years, you'd say take the over. Yeah, I mean, but, but it just takes it just takes, yeah, you know, the right quarterback, the right coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And then the next, it takes it takes the right coach at a rival leaving or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The next quick question from Chuck Master Flex: In the mid to long term, do you see developing the defensive line or offensive line as a bigger challenge for the staff? I will say offensive line simply because as long as you have Rodney Garner on your staff, you're going to have a pretty solid defensive line. I agree with that, and I do think they have some some underclassmen on that defensive line that you can build around. Uh, moving forward right i mean yeah they, they're gonna lose butler and and blakely and Tremblay and some of those guys but uh you're gonna have Kirk garland back you're gonna have simmons amari thomas dejon terry you're gonna have those guys back so you have a small group of guys that you can work with maybe go out and get a transfer too um and you know the two transfers they got out they went out and got this offseason have, have already been playing I mean, you know terry was hurt but Tremblay's been playing and been decent giving them some decent contributions. So you got, you got enough guys there that uh, probably the offensive line, which that's such an odd, such an interesting situation, right? Cause when Pruitt took it over, it was, and it was even worse than it is now. And they recruited well, right? Yeah. They, did. uh, they didn't play great, but then, you know, uh, it's, you know, if they lose Cade Mays off this group, you know, it, 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 to me, there's more questions about the offensive line. Um, and, and and the trump card obviously is as you mentioned it's Rodney Garner who it's one of those guys that you're like you give him any collection of players and he probably can cobble together a half decent group. Yeah, I mean I I I think that it is really really hard to be really good on the on the offensive line. I mean you look at like look at the Kansas City Chiefs last year. I mean it's they, they've replaced all five guys from last year. It's it's just hard to be really really good on the offensive line. With that said. A program like Tennessee should be in a better situation than it is has been for a while now with the offensive line because you, you really, really sort of should be better there. But there's a lot of other programs that haven't had linemen drafted in forever. So, yeah, and, and I didn't even mention them defensive line guys like Barron and Eason and Byron Young. Those guys will be back too. So, I would think that that if you just look at the on paper what you potentially could have in 2022. 
talking about the future of those two positions. I think on paper you take the defensive line at this point. I think so too, and I think that's just going to about wrap it up because uh, the the only other question there's a, there's a bunch on there that we've already answered in other formats. There was one about Joe Milton's physicality. I think we discussed that too a little bit. So yeah, I think that's just about wrapping it up. Unless you got anything else, Pat, which I can't imagine that you do, but I'll go ahead and ask anyway. You know me, I'm very talkative. Yeah, aren't we all? Except I'm ready for, for Ramey. Except for Ramey, he's not talkative. Thanks, man. He's an idiot. Yes, he's he, an idiot. Yes, he is. We all know that. That should be the name of this podcast, the Grant Ramey is an idiot <laughs> podcast. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, man. See you, Wes. And thank y'all for listening to this edition, if I can say it right, this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey, who is an idiot, is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. Or you can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we have content throughout the day, all day, every day, tons and tons of good stuff on there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, Go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all throughout the year, not just during the seasons. Tons and tons of good stuff from Maria all year long on GoVols247.com. We got two forums that have information around the clock. We got the checkerboard and we have the summit where you can get just anything you want discussed that, that's not uh, political or religious in nature, everything else will go. So go there. You can talk to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what we're here for. Uh, but the biggest thing is that, guys, you can get all of that, a couple dozen content items a day, all that information, the best database in sports, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs. And if you do that and you pay us that rate after the seven day free trial, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus. Used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. You get so many things on there. That's a 100 plus dollar annual value for nothing. And I've said in every other podcast where we have on there, if you don't know, you should know by now, but I'll say it again really quickly. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get uh, premium, premium only shows that you can only get on Paramount Plus that like, uh, Evil, Picard, uh, the new mayor of Kingstown, all, which looks great, has a great cast. All of that, too. Fresh movies, old movies, classic movies. You get stuff from the video vaults of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, something for the whole family. You also get live sports. You get vault stuff, SEC stuff, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, CONCACAF qualifying, uh, world qualifying for the World Cup. All of that stuff is on there, $100 plus, endless entertainment, $100 at annual value that we will put in your pocket for no questions asked. That's it. That's what you got to do. Go to GoVols247.com, and we will point you in the right direction. Uh, if there's no big breaking news, you should hear from us again on Thursday, where it'll be probably me and the idiot Grant Ramey talking Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, previewing the Florida game. Uh, so if nothing big happens until then, you won't hear from us until then. But until then, guys, please get that vaccine. Please get that vaccine. Please wear your face mask when it's appropriate. Please wash those hands. Guys, we can get through this. We really can. But we got to be a little bit nicer to each other. If you can't do anything else, be nicer to each other because our world can just be real awful sometimes. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Until then, see you.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.